Hello again, this is Noah and John. We're from Urban Digs. We are talking Manhattan. We're post-Labor Day here, Johnny. It does. It doesn't feel like it outside, but it feels like it in the market. We have a lot more supply coming on the market. Yeah, about 500 units came on the market in the last four days alone. Yeah. So that's, I mean, first the stuff comes on after Labor Day, then the stuff goes to contract, but first the stuff comes on. Yeah. So that market pulse is going to start diving. It already is diving down to 41. So, um, if so you're, don't be scared. Just back to school. <laughs> all seasonal all right. kind of stuff. If you're looking at Urban Digs, that's the reason that's going on. We got Gary Mallon here, man. I'm very excited about that. Okay, so so if the audience doesn't know who this is, you're probably one of the most connected individuals to Manhattan residential rentals there is out there. One of, for sure. Okay, he's definitely one of. If it, and it's a small sure. group. Right. We're, we're far <laughs> few between these days. So, so you got to listen to this because there's a lot of rental policy changes that have heard, uh, occurred in the yeah. multifamily market, et cetera, et cetera, that's affecting our market. Gary's going to explain what's going on and why it's happening. Do me a favor, Gary. Tell people who you are, how long you've been doing this, just a brief. Uh, president of City Habitats. I've uh, been here 21 years. Mm -hmm. Before that, I was the company's attorney for a few years. So I've basically been around since the company was founded, for the most part, when Andrew Heiberger started it in 1994. You know, right. And I met you since 2005. Yeah, we've known each other for many, many years. Many, many years. Yeah. Um, you're the man. So, so let's let's, <laughs> let's hope. Let's start out really quick. Well, how's the rental market doing first? You know, I think there's, depending on the metrics you want to look at, the rental market, depending on who you're talking to, could be doing well, and depending on who you're talking to, it might not be doing so well. The vacancy rate's a little above 1%. I think mm -hmm. anywhere around the country that would yeah. have a vacancy rate a little over 1% would do anything to have that under any circumstance. Right. So from that metric, it's healthy because occupants occupancy is high owners have tenants coming in left and right if you look back during like the great recession right. our vacancy rate let's just say tapped out close to 2.5 okay okay so to sort of give you bad times 2.5 pretty healthy times one percent during that bad times nationally it was ten percent wow. so from that perspective right. it's you know healthy in the sense that our our units are being filled sounds strong it is, but like you know, not everything is what it appears to be. Okay. Um, the reality is, concessions prop up this market considerably. Right. Right. Um, everyone wants gross rents, but mm -hmm. tenants can't really afford gross rents in right. many cases. And I think that you know you have to incentivize people to transact. I think if you look at what happens in the market, if you push too far, from July to August, our our vacancy rate went up in the month of August. Mm -hmm. Why? They raised the rents, albeit slightly, they raised the rents 1%, 3% here and there. Mm -hmm. Concessions went down a little bit, but then mm -hmm. the vacancy rate went up. So tenants are very price sensitive, okay. and the market is teetering where if you push just outside the bounds, right. you're going to push them somewhere okay. else. I got you. So, so they pushed in July and August. Which is right. typically, my guess, is that's when the lowest vacancy rate typically is. Right, the four right. busiest months of the year, May, June, July, and August is historically the busiest month. Right. Isn't this September 1st like the most... The, the biggest days. Okay, the biggest women's day. So, so you think about college, grad school, people right. moved from a year or two before. There's a lot of turnover during that condensed period. Okay, so they pushed in July and August. So now we're in September. Do you think they're gonna they're slowing that down right now? Or? Listen, I think if history repeats itself and it most likely will, they'll probably add more incentives. Mm -hmm. They'll do something to keep rents at the levels that they're at to the greatest degree possible. Right, right. And just right. add more concessions. Listen, concessions to me are nothing more than a sale. 
Right. I'm putting this on sale. I want more velocity. I want more people coming through my doors. Right. I want to get my apartment rented. And although you're giving something away, if you yeah. end up renting your apartment 15 or 30 days earlier than you would have, what did you really give away? So right. in the end, it benefits the tenant. It makes it more affordable. It benefits the owner. You yeah. brought more people in and right. everyone's happy. But what's interesting is if you start to go to two, three plus months concessions, mm-hmm. it actually has the opposite effect. It makes Tenants like start to realize, well, forget about that. Tenants that sell say, this is a great deal. However, in 12 or 14 or 16 months, whatever it is from now, I can't afford to live here. So I have all these costs and all these expenses I'm going to incur to move. I don't want to move it a year. Right. So it's a very delicate balancing act between what's the right price, what's the right concession, and how do you get people to act? Because listen, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, people are going everywhere now. When right. I first started, when you first started, people were very neighborhood specific, not as much. No. Right. What about... Um if, if you have someone that's not offering concessions and they decide to lower their price a little bit, maybe to get to where market value might may or may not be, are those having trouble moving because they're not offering concessions? No. Okay. If you're priced appropriately and you're what the market is and the market, as you know better than anybody, how mm-hmm. transparent the market can be, right. people would rather pay the right price than get an incentive. Okay, gotcha. Because in the end, if you're paying the right price through an incentive, you're paying the right price straight without it. Right. So people would rather pay, quote unquote, the net effective price every single month. So right. if you're pricing it to the market, we have many owners that do that. Right. They say to themselves, I don't need to squeeze out the last extra dollar. I've owned this asset for all these years. I want good, solid tenants. Yep. I don't want turnover. Because when you right. give too many incentives, you're buying turnover. The sales market has okay. been, I mean, the sales market's been in a down cycle for about four years now, mm-hmm. and we're kind of at that lull of the four years, which is strange for this market. I mean, we've had down cycles before, and I've been yep. following this market a long time, but usually we come right back up. This time we kind of have it. Um, did this, the rentals market have any kind of lull or downtrend in, in the last couple of years? I mean, I wouldn't call it a lull or a downtrend. I would call it just, it's struggling. It's struggling to get true increases. You need to okay. prop up the market through incentives. You know, I think that people think that if the sales market's struggling, that means the rental market isn't. That's, That's not necessarily okay. true yeah. because the price point where the rentals are is so high mm-hmm. and people's ability to pay is just below that. Right. There's this, this sort of seesaw, like I'm going here, you're going there, where can we meet in the middle? Mm-hmm. So it's not as though the rental market's exploded. Right. It's really just been sort of teetering, going up a little, down a little, up a little, down a little, gotcha. and the vacancy rate moves along with that. Gotcha. Okay, Let, let's shift. Let's shift to policy because this is where I think the real, the real good stuff's going to come. So let's just remind people that are listening or, or watching here, <clears throat> they changed the multifamily rental policies, right? Legally. Okay. Tell me the biggest takeaways from that change for people that are, are aware of it, but not familiar with the details. What is hurting us right now? I mean, look, I think that everyone agrees with the theory that housing should be more affordable, but there's so many factors in play that make housing not affordable that when these laws came out, as opposed to taking a scalpel and opposed to actually understanding how the market works and how the market operates, it was like, let's just go full bear and go crazy. And I just think that unfortunately when you don't, um, I guess, elicit responses from the community and you don't listen to what potential ramifications can and will be Mm -hmm. and you just act with this idea that tenants, tenants, tenants and affordability, affordability, they've had a lot of unintended consequences that are creating problems that I don't think they anticipated being problems. That's what I want to say. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, I think I read an article this morning that the deputy mayor just came out and she even said they might have gone too far. So what I'm hoping after time sort of figures itself out mm-hmm. that 
rationality applies and that maybe there's a look back to say, wait, where do we go wrong? I don't necessarily believe that's going to happen. The last time I spoke I'm hoping to you, that happens. You, didn't, you didn't feel this way the last time I spoke I'm to you. I'm hoping. You know, I'm yeah. just saying when you hear the deputy mayor come out and, right. and say, like, we might have gone too far, I think that the practicality of this and sort of how it's panned itself out right. might be getting people to realize, like, wait a minute, maybe we made some mistakes. I mean, okay. look, when you talk about the, you know, the, the allowances for work, mm-hmm. now they've basically made that not an allowance, it's a de-incentive. Why would you spend money to get a $90 increase a month? Mm-hmm. So basically you're telling owners, don't renovate your apartments, right. don't bring them to the standard that they should be, don't invest money in your asset, because we don't want you to profit on that investment. It's so, a disincentive for the owner of the, of the building or the unit or whatever. Okay. Right, but the thing that they didn't realize, who do you think that hurts the most? If, if the owners to, no, Who, who's it really hurt? It hurts the construction workers. Okay. Those people that. that had jobs, that were gainfully employed, that were constantly busy making investments for the future yeah. of our city, mm-hmm. a lot of these people have lost jobs. A lot mm-hmm. of these people have lost business. Since this has passed? Yes, yeah. 100%. And I've not only heard that, I've heard it's construction workers, I've heard it's plumbers, I've heard it's like small plumbing supply Everybody. stores, electrical supply. It's like this yeah. is a complete yeah. ecosystem which is at risk here. Every single person along wow. the, the, the down line has been impacted by this right. because if there's no economic incentive to invest in your building, you're not going to invest in your building. And if you're right. not going to get a vacancy allowance and you're not going to be able to recoup the money that you otherwise would have invested to bring this up to a new standard, right. you're just not going to. So that's a huge unintended consequence. Right. And then the construction workers and that industry in and of itself is bad. I also don't think they realize property values are going to go down. Right. And what happens when property values go down? Tax revenue goes down. Right. Wait till they find out what that means. I mean, we speak to people all the time, and I'm not, you know, involved in the Department of Finance, and I don't know all the valuation things. Everyone's talking about a lot of these assets have overnight depreciated by 25 to 30 yeah, percent. Right. I heard a story um, through an attorney I know that they were doing a sale of a couple multifamily small buildings. And it was a state situation, and they needed to sell the assets. They really couldn't fight. The change it went from thirty million to eighteen million. And you traded? Yep. All right, so they had no that's choice. Like, that's like a liquidation value kind of deal. They had no choice. Wow. That they needed, I guess, for tax purposes. Right. But the point will be being so now people have lost jobs, valuations are going down, the incentive to invest in the city is going down. Right. It's sort of like a message that this is not the place to put your dollars to invest right. because we're really trying to control every part of it versus trying to control some parts of it. Like, listen, don't get me wrong. There are landlords out there who have been you know, bad characters, let's just say, right. and they've done some things, but every industry has yes. the people on the fringes. Yeah. And when you try to legislate for all based upon the few, this is what happens. Right. You know, so there's there are other things. Okay, so, so number one, there's a cap on how much they can raise rents, right? Yep. Which is which is causing the unintended consequences of everything that you just discussed here and then the triple the triple the trickle down effect into the construction industry and all that kind of Correct. stuff. Number two, they did something with um, deposits, security deposits. That's a huge problem. Okay, so explain that please. So basically they only want you to limit to a one month security deposit. And what was That's it, it. what was it before? It was pretty much whatever you could get except unstabilized. There were certain circumstances. But the free market, the entire market is now limited to a one-month security deposit. I understand and I respect the thought that to rent an apartment in New York City has become increasingly expensive and that one of those expenses potentially could be security. However, most times if people are being asked to give extra security, it's 
Maybe they had a death in the family. Maybe they lost a job. Maybe they got divorced. Maybe they had unintended and unexpected medical expenses. Something might have happened to someone along the way who did nothing wrong. Just life happens, Mm -hmm. and their credit is somewhat dinged up. Right. But they have income coming in. They can afford the type of apartment that they want. So previously, the owner would look at that application and make a determination like, okay, you're a little bit of a credit risk, but not a substantial credit risk to make me feel comfortable. I want extra security or I want prepaid rent. In essence, think about it. If I'm going to rent an apartment for $5,000 a month and I'm an owner, I'm giving you a $60,000 loan. Why is the owner not entitled to feel comfortable that you can repay that loan? So now with one month security, people that otherwise could have gotten apartments cannot get apartments because the owner is going to choose the most qualified applicant to follow within the law. And that's an unintended consequence right there. Students, yeah. you know, coming international students were right. a very significant part of our marketplace. Right, right. Typically they would come in, they pay a year rent up front, can't do that anymore. So all of a sudden people who at, had access to the market are having struggles to get access to the market. It, yeah. It's, it's going to tighten the market up a little bit. Well, there's bit. one more unintended consequence of just this, and this is something that pertains to a lot of the sales agents out there, which is that co-ops are now pr- prohibited from taking one more than one month in escrow because essentially it's a proprietary lease and you can't take more than a month. So if you're looking to buy a co-op for a million and maybe, maybe you only have you know 20 grand in the bank after the right. fact, the co-op right. wants you to put a few months of maintenance in escrow, they can't do it. And right. A lot of co-op boards now are turning down sales exclusively essentially because they can't take more escrow. Right, and then listen, there's great alternatives to providing security that's been out there for a while. Like the Guarantors is one company. Yes, yes. uh, And they provide an incredibly great service. But unfortunately for certain tenants that maybe in the past would have been more comfortable paying an extra month yeah. up front, they're being required if the owner allows that, right. in essence, to buy an insurance policy. So another unintended consequence is they're now incurring certain costs that they didn't expect to incur before. So I just think like there wasn't, when you're legislating an industry yeah. without understanding how the industry operates, yeah. unintentionally, you make some significant mistakes. Right. Um, wow. I mean, I feel like with all of these policy changes, and how, how old is this? Like two months now, right? Couple months, yeah. yeah. Okay. Has the rental market reset already, or is the rental market in the process of potentially resetting? In term, one second, not in terms of rental rates, but in terms of valuations for investors that are out there looking to buy rental properties. I mean, that that is what I imagine is getting killed right now. Well, I mean, if you read any stories that are out there, for the most part, the, the multifamily asset is is frozen for the most part. Just because of this, right? Like, right. first of all. You don't understand exactly all the nuances. I don't think the laws were as clearly written as they could have been. Right. So there are a lot of question marks about that. But you have to reset valuation expectations. You have to understand what you're capable of doing. Most of these people are buying buildings with the upside that would come from vacancies, yeah, from renovations, from right. all of this stuff. Right. Once again, you're making investments in the city. It's all of a sudden become like almost not good for these people to make investments no in the city. Yeah. So right. for them, like you, you know, you can only trade if it makes sense for you or if you're someone that has a very long-term horizon and you're very opportunistic and you can afford to potentially operate at a loss for an extended period of time to maybe write off gains elsewhere in your portfolio and those people who have access to capital or access to get capital maybe they benefit but i think right now there's so much sort of confusion as to what the 
exact right answer to this is. I think it's going to take some more time to sort of work itself out. And when there's confusion, people usually pause. And that well, happened why after, after yeah. the salt deductions, all those tax, you know, a couple of years ago with those tax changes, everyone was asking, right, weeks after it happened, how's the effect? How's the effect? And we're like, yeah, it's going to take years to actually know this effect. People just go on the sidelines. Now we're seeing there definitely was an effect from this. Of course. I imagine with this, um, all the rental changes, that if you're a multifamily empty income potential income producing property that is in need of renovation that's like the worst of the worst right now yeah i mean look <laughs> if it needs it to have even people just decide to live in it yeah, yeah. like you're, you're creating a, a, a situation where access to inventory might go away because someone simply can't afford to do it and they also right. don't necessarily want to sell it and there's people that have come out and i know blackstone came out and said they were going to quote unquote warehouse units and then right. the city right. kind of went after them so they've changed their stance on that uh, understandably but there's plenty of other owners who are looking at not renovating apartments yeah. right not renting apartments maybe combining apartments right. so all of a sudden you know the inventory levels might shift in a way that makes it more difficult yeah. not easier for a tenant. Now, just because you made it less expensive doesn't mean you made it better. I think right, they right. misunderstand that those two don't necessarily they go together. Yeah. Right, and yeah. I think it's a frustrating thing for a lot of people that they just didn't sort of do that. So, like I said, I'm yeah, hoping hopefully. that right. over the course of time, whether it's through the lawsuits that have been filed and one finds its way through the system to sort of get people to the table or rationality applies or they start to see tax revenues yeah. go, something causes people to say like, okay, Maybe there is a better way. I'm not. I don't. Not so hopeful that's going to happen right away. But I'm hoping yeah, that happens. And what about the flip side of this? If you happen to be a landlord who owns a market rate building, are you just sitting on pure gold right now? Have you well, seen the, any uptick uh, the, in those? The reality is, the market can only afford what the market can afford. Like a tenant can't afford what he or she can't afford. So just because there might be less inventory doesn't mean that people can pay more. Like the thing of like that I look at in all yeah. my leases and the deals we do. You know, we have new developments in Manhattan. Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx. In many instances, the same exact person is looking at all four of those locations. Mm -hmm. So people are not so specific anymore. They're looking for value. They're looking for what they can afford, whether it's the Jersey waterfront, whether it's the suburbs, you know, whether it's further out in Queens, just parts of Queens that are you know, going to start to do great. We're going to open up two buildings in Briarwood, Queens soon. Right. There's going to be awesome. development on their neighborhoods and areas, but the reality is tenants are looking for value. So yeah, you would think, oh, less supply, Increased pricing. Well, unless wages grow right. substantially, you're at a cap now. So right. the market is at work, despite the best efforts. Yeah, this, you know we're, we're playing right. with the with the cards we were dealt right now, yeah, and we're trying to work true. through the system. What, what's the narrative for sales agents that has that have investors right now? I mean, look, I think the most important thing is you got to look at where the sales market is, right? You have to understand what the Which price of that, right? So yeah. if you can get an asset in a good location that you've traded at a lower price, it might be the perfect opportunity to That's what I'm saying. Rent. That's there's what I'm no saying. There's no doubt. Just think contrarian just a little bit for but, a minute. But there's just, you know, you got to figure out what something's really worth on the rental market. The reality is most times a condo, right. from a pure standpoint of square footage, right. is going to be larger right. than your typical rental apartment. It right. might have better finishes. It might might have some amenities, it might be in a different location. There are a lot of attributes that can make it an attractive asset. Right. But in the end, the tenant is looking at what he or she pays on a monthly basis. So although the sales price might be great and the rent might be good, where does that apartment now fit inside of the rental market? And you have right. to be able to do that. A lot of sales agents don't necessarily 
understand the rental market as well as they understand the sales market and they do some quick research and they understand what they think the market is right. but behind the market's the real truth right. so sometimes it's just making sure you understand and what the owner understands what he or she can achieve and that's also dependent upon I, I how mean, much money they put if, if, if you're saying I, and I know it's not a um, you're not telling us this is going to happen but you're saying you're hopeful you're hopeful because you ha- you're seeing things happen that is, is yeah. trying to get the change to happen to the right people based on these unintended consequences and, and once you start losing jobs in an industry that is a big and or lawsuits and or so that's a big force. I mean, if I'm an investor, I'm just I'm just thinking for a second here, Johnny. If I'm an investor right now and I'm listening to this, and the sales market was already down, and the, and we know that the higher end sector got hit more than the lower end sector, so the higher end sector is already down. Now you got this that hits the multifamily sector even more. I got to be honest with you, man. As an investor, I mean, I try to get my deals right now. Whoever bought that 18 million dollar townhouse in the liquidation value. I think if that change comes, if that tax law change comes, they hit the bottom. Listen, you have to have an appetite for risk. Well, it's better better than investing in a negatively yielding euro euro bond. That's true, (laughs) which is crazy in and of itself, by the way. We're in uncharted territory. But the reality is, listen, for every opportunity, there's a different angle for that opportunity. And not every, listen, everything eventually figures itself out. It's just how long does it take to figure itself out? And the ones that have tolerance for risk, the ones that invested money during the Great Great Recession on dirt, that dirt is done incredibly well. So they've really done, so those people said to themselves, I have a long-term view of New York City. I believe in the health and the wealth of the city. And I have the access to the capital, so I'm willing to take a risk. I don't disagree, it's just, if we're wrong, right? Because right. who it, knows? Yeah. Who knows? The next time these guys come around, they might even try to go even deeper. Right. Okay. So, a question is: is whether or not rationality arises to the level of discourse. Great. Great. Well, I don't know. Can I put you on the spot? Can I ask for your long-term view of New York City? My long-term view is the same as it's always been. It's an amazing place to live. In some way, shape, or form, it all figures itself out. When you're in the middle of a storm, it's hard to see what the future looks like. And we're in the beginning of a storm right now, so it's even worse. But the end result is New York City, if you think about the areas that were not where they are now, look at like Mott Haven in the Bronx, look at everything in Long Island City, we're working on stuff in Jamaica, when we're working on stuff in Prior, we're working on stuff all yeah. in Brooklyn. The, the long-term health is people want to be here, people love to live here, but there's a lot of factors, whether it's the salt tax issues, whether it's foreign investment and people from China can't get their money out, right. whether it's interest rates, whether it's this, there's always some headwind we're facing, but in the end, if the long view is, I have patience. Most of the people that have patience have always done well. Right. All right. We're getting towards the end here. This is great. I have one last question. I'm going to let you go. Fire away. Do you have any idea where cap rates are right now? Have you seen any research? No. No. Not my I can't seem to get, get a good read on where cap rates are right now. I imagine they're maybe rising just a little bit, but I don't know. Well, I would, uh, to follow that up, I would give a shout out to one of the things you said earlier and the shout out to Jimmy Sircosta at City Habitats. We had a client years ago who wanted to buy a condo and then rent it out. And we... Truthfully, had no clue what the rental market was doing, so we brought in Jimmy, and he came in. Of course, you know, Jimmy's, talk, a, Jimmy's a true pro. Except, but you yeah. talk about knowing the market from sort of like the ground up, and that's yeah. listen. We have so many. We have, we have so many condo rental listings yeah. that we might not have represented in the purchase, but we represent in the rental because yeah. the client got frustrated that their broker wasn't as in tune with the market as they could have been. They didn't do a bad job from a sales perspective. Right, right. They got them a good asset. They got them a good property. Right. But what the value was on the rental side yeah. didn't necessarily meet. Maybe the client's expectations were always outsized right. to begin with. But we represent a lot of that because it's service and data. Right. Right. But his cap rate was completely different analysis than ours. Right. So and I imagine the cap rates, even, yeah. they're probably around the 2% range or something right now, 2 or 3%. They don't go too far mm. here. Yeah, listen, I, I think there's just so much... 
sort of confusion as to where things right. are headed that it's going to take a little extra time to sort itself out. you got to buy when there's blood on the streets. With, <laughs> with that said, we are at City Habitat. We're with Gary Mallon. This was awesome. Thank you so much for your insightful Thank stuff. You. This Very is good. Noah and John. We're from Urban Digs. We're talking Manhattan. We'll catch you next time.